Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. We're continuing our series called DIY, Do-It-Yourself. We're talking about do-it-yourself faith. We talk about faith as a, a partnership with God, where he's always faithful to do his part. And there's something that is required in faith of us. We've got to take steps of obedience and responding to God. It's not just a, a whimsical thought of belief, but actually leads to action. And I, I want to investigate the story found in Luke 19, a story named Zacchaeus, a tax collector, someone who was not well-liked in that day. He's kind of like uh, old school Gru, if you will. And I think that gives us a good picture of what Zacchaeus, or how Zacchaeus was viewed back in his day. You know, Jesus, word about Jesus was getting around, and people had questions about who he was. Who is this man? Who is this man doing all of these miracles? In the preceding chapters, he's performing miracles and questions about who could this possibly be? Who is this man who teaches with authority? Who is this man who's not afraid to confront and contradict the religious leaders? Who is this man who calls the little children to himself and blesses them? Who is this Jesus? And for a long time, this question had pounded in the heart of one man. He'd heard the rumors, he'd heard the stories. And in the town of Jericho, where this hated, tax-collecting, thief, cheat, traitor lived, enters Jesus. And he's interested in who Jesus is. Jesus enters into Jericho, and Zacchaeus makes it a point to go seek him out. And let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bible, open it up or turn on your version app and you can follow along. The scriptures will be on the screen as well. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a, a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man... He could not because of the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down from there immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. In my head, it sounds like this. He's gone to be at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. As we've talked about our our part in this thing called faith, whether you're a a man or a woman, uh, an adult or a child, there's 
a part of maturity of faith. And in our story of Zacchaeus, we see Zacchaeus take this journey from selfishness to selflessness. It's not a long story, only 10 verses long, but it takes us through an encounter with Jesus. And I think if we investigate it today, we might learn a few things that we can apply to our own life and perhaps begin to live in our own faith. And the first thing I notice is Zacchaeus humbles himself. I think that's the first thing to move from selfishness to selflessness is to humble yourself. And that might look different to different people, but I I think it starts with a change of position. A change of position. If you're going to humble yourself, it's a change of position. In in the Christian world, there are, are physical ways of demonstrating spiritual humility. I think one of the ways that I demonstrate it is in praise and worship. Maybe this morning you observed people raising their hands and singing along with, their, with energy and, and charisma. Uh, I think sometimes it's good to express ourselves that way. But I think there's a humility to it, at least for me, because at times I catch myself wondering who's watching me. Do you ever think that? Well, I, I don't want to get too rambunctious in, in my expressions of worship to the creator of the world because I don't, I, you know, his, other people around me might laugh at me and make fun of me. I have to admit there are times in my life when I'm thinking about what other people are thinking about me. And you have to come to the point, at least I have, to realize that you wouldn't care so much about what people think about you when you realize how seldom they actually are thinking of you. Because they're actually thinking about themselves and wondering what everybody else is thinking about them. It's just a a long, tragic cycle. And it's okay to get into your worship. I know for me it's it's humbling because in raising my hands, I'm sort of saying I, I don't care what other people think. I don't care if other people are watching. But my actions express what's in my heart. I, I'm going to raise my hands as a sign of surrender, of, of reaching out, of, of praise and exuberant exaltation of the Lord Most High. Surely this isn't awkward to you because I know there were thousands and thousands of people doing it this weekend cheering on their favorite football team. Woohoo, M-I-Z! I knew it! Right? I mean, this isn't weird to us. Only when we come into church, then it's and proper we wouldn't want to get excited right but i think in those moments of worship i I know you get into things i mean i've seen you driving down the road listening to the radio singing along with energy you know you think nobody's watching you while you're driving but i've seen you as you lip sync to your favorite song in the car you're just totally into it because nobody's watching you right maybe it's the shower for you i don't know but there are moments where you, where you release when you don't think anybody's watching, and that's good. That moment for me is in worship when I don't care if anybody's watching, but the one that really matters, the audience of one, Jesus Christ. Then I might lift his name on high. And, and for me, connecting my physical actions to what I feel in my spirit and in my heart is important. And I think if you examine your life, you'll notice that you oftentimes match what you feel with your action. It's sometimes in faith that we disconnect those things. And it's okay in our worship 
of the Lord Most High, the one true God, to get a little into it, to raise your hands, to express it. Uh, you know, my, my actions probably don't always make sense. My body just doesn't kind of, I don't have, um, I have a soul, but I don't have soul, apparently. <laughs> but that, putting yourself in, a, in a, a new or different position, it's an exchange of position. In humility, you say, I'm exchanging what I think, where I think I should be, And I'm letting someone else, in this case Jesus, I'm letting him take that proper place, that higher place. So humility is placing yourself underneath that. There's no time that we exchange our position and physically change our position than when we pray. Perhaps you you think of prayer as this, you know, the little precious moments, you know, fold the hands. But this is actually a, a, a biblical position. In fact, prayer was often on knees or laying prostrate, not prostate, prostrate, <laughs> where you lie flat on your face because this is a position reserved in expression of worship, worthiness to a king, to lay down, to kneel, to, stand, uh, to kneel in reverence and honor. And so in prayer, we, we humble our, our minds as we focus on Jesus. We humble our schedule because now we're taking time away from something else to connect with God. That's a position of humility. It's in those times where we kneel or, or perhaps when we sit and read Scripture, submitting our thoughts to the thoughts of Scripture. Sometimes you need a change of position in order to express and express humility to really become humble and it's something about that physical changing of position i think that helps what we need when we need to humble ourselves mentally and emotionally it's sometimes expressed best in the physical way it's not just a change of position but a a change of perspective considering that i might not have the best view on things those of you who are hunters, it's November. Every sermon has a hunting reference. Disclaimer. December will, will have a, uh, a Christmas reference, but it's November, so it's a hunting reference. Hunters know this, and when they hunt, some of them will actually use what is called a ladder stand or a tree stand, right? You get up high, you change perspective, you get a new view on things. This helps and it is with other times in our lives. We need to change perspectives. It, it's humbling to recognize that maybe my view on things is a little off. And so when I humble myself to the view of Jesus, it, it changes me. And I'm humble enough to recognize that Jesus, you know, he might have a, a better view on things. It's in this moment that we find Zacchaeus changing his position and his perspective. Jason, would you help me out with that ladder real quick? Zacchaeus humbles himself by changing both his position and his perspective. Think about it. He humbles himself by running. Now, no self-respecting man in that day would just run without cause. Thank you, sir. No self-respecting man would run and for no reason just be running because that would be non-humble. You'd have pride. You'd walk around and let people see you. But he changed his position and his perspective. Hi, Deb. How are you? Excuse me. I'm coming through here. You change your position and your perspective. Now, Zacchaeus climbed a tree. I think that's a change of position and perspective, so I thought I'd do that. Wow, it looks so much different. You look really good from here. 
I like this position. I could get used to this. I should preach from here more often, right? Kind of like a, a round table discussion. So, sorry, you guys don't have a very good view back there. <laughs> you might want to change your perspective. But this is, a, this is a moment of humility because do you think Zacchaeus thought about what he was wearing? I mean, think about it. He wasn't wearing jeans and a t-shirt, right? I mean, he was wearing like one of them long robe things. And maybe it was summertime, so it was a short robe. You know, he needed a little airflow. I'm just saying. Let's, let's just say it straight up. He was wearing a skirt, all right? And he's climbing a tree with sandals on. Do you think that might be humbling in a way that he changed his position and perspective? Something about Zacchaeus was that he recognized his own stature. It says he was short. And he didn't use that as an excuse. Oh, there's a big crowd and I'm too short. It says he ran ahead because he knew Jesus would pass that way. He gets ahead so he can encounter the Lord. And he climbs that tree. And perhaps, can you show the picture of the tree? This is a sycamore fig tree. This is actually in Jericho. They assumed tree that Zacchaeus may have climbed. They wall it off, you know, so you can look at it. It probably wasn't that big thousands of years ago. But I imagine that Zacchaeus maybe were just right at the bottom crook there, but perhaps he went higher and hid in the leaves. Maybe he didn't want people to see him. But he got up high. He humbled himself, put himself in a position where he could encounter the Lord. Do you put yourself in such a position? humbling your schedule, humbling yourself to be in a place where you can encounter the Lord, a quiet place and a quiet time at home, maybe a a weekly collective gathering where like-minded believers worship together, where you can hear from the Lord. How are you making time intentionally to encounter the Lord? I tell you, Zacchaeus did it that day. He ran ahead, he climbed the tree, he put himself in a position, humbling though it was, to encounter the Lord. I'm going to set this here. If you guys need that, it's right there, just in case, right there. So Zacchaeus is a, a good illustration of humility, of placing yourself in a place where you can encounter the Lord. But it wasn't just that. It didn't stop there. And I love that the story doesn't stop there. It continues there because Then Jesus sees him. I I thought Zacchaeus was the one trying to see Jesus, but Jesus was the one trying to see Zacchaeus. He comes to the spot, it says, he came to the spot where Zacchaeus was and he stopped and he looked up. Zacchaeus may have been trying to hide. You can't hide from Jesus. I've tried. It doesn't work. (laughs) Something about he knows all and he sees all. You don't get it. But in that moment, he sees Zacchaeus, and he calls him by name. Did you get that? I don't know how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. Maybe he was asking around, hey, who's that weirdo in the tree? I don't know what he was saying. Maybe, they were, maybe it was name tag day in Jericho. But he sees him, and he calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus, there's a recognition. I see you. Zacchaeus. There's something in the name. When you know someone's name, there's an intimacy. I know how it is at greeting time in the church. It's awkward because some of you don't know each other. You know, you might be new and you're just like, hey, how are you? What's your name? Okay, I'll never remember that, right? Or what's really awkward is you've been attending here for a while and the person behind you who sits behind you regularly, 
You, every week you shake hands, but for the life of you, you can't remember their name. I think next week we should do like name amnesty, right? Where you're free to admit, dude, I shake your hand every week for five years. I still don't know your name. We should do that. But this day, Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. There was a, a recognition. There was value shown to Zacchaeus. And though Zacchaeus had shortcomings, he was a short man. Jesus, Jesus didn't use that as an excuse either. Jesus didn't let that stop him. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He didn't miss him. Do you feel like sometimes God misses you? Feel like maybe he overlooks you? He doesn't know or doesn't care about your circumstances? Somehow you just got lost in the shuffle of seven billion people? <laughs> You know, God's a busy person. Seven billion people is a lot of people to take care of. You know, sometimes we think of God as sort of like a computer, like a PC. You know, really only functions well when one thing's running on the operating system. But God's more like a Mac. He can handle... (laughs) All right, we won't go there. (laughs) But I think sometimes we think that God can... you know, in our human ways, we can only really focus on one thing consciously at a time. I, I know we, we think we're doing well when we multitask. It, multitask for me just means I'm doing several things really poorly. <laughs> but God isn't like that. He thinks of you on his conscious mind all the time. And he can do that with you and with you and with you. And he doesn't have to stop. He doesn't have to, like, put you in the background and, well, hold on, there's something more urgent. He thinks about you on his conscious mind all the time. In this moment, Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus may have felt camouflaged. Show that picture. Do you think you ever felt like this before? (laughs) Okay, you just saw it. Good. There's a person laying there in his camo. It's a soldier laying on a couch, a floral design. See his boots on the left, helmet on the right. Okay, very good. You see it now. Sometimes you feel like this, like if Jesus entered the room, he'd sit on you because he didn't see you. And sometimes we can feel like that. That not only does nobody else see us, the crowd doesn't see us, nor do they care, but Jesus doesn't see us. But Jesus sees Zacchaeus. And here's the second thing. He responds to Jesus. This is the DIY part, the do-it-yourself. You have to respond. Faith isn't faith unless there's a response, an action. Zacchaeus recognizes that he's being sought. The seeker becomes the sought. And he accepts Jesus' invitation. I think it's rather rude of Jesus to be presumptuous like this, don't you? Zacchaeus, come, come out of the tree. I'm coming over to your house today. In our house, we call that inviting yourself over. And we try to teach our children not to, like, invite themselves over to other people's houses, right? And I've heard these conversations. Can I come over to your house today? Don't invite yourself over. Okay. And parents, you probably had that happen. And here Jesus is breaking protocol. It wasn't wasn't, uh, right for him to invite himself over, yet that's what he does. He invites himself into Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus, coming over to your house today. We're having Thanksgiving leftovers. I know you didn't eat that cranberry sauce that came out of that jar looking like that. Coming over to your house, Zacchaeus. This is a great illustration of what we see in Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. This moment of invitation that Jesus not only 
is inviting you into himself. He's inviting himself into you. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, or here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is what he's doing with Zacchaeus. He knocks on Zacchaeus' door. Zacchaeus, I want to come over to your house today. Zacchaeus could have said, look, I'm busy. I didn't clean the house. Uh, I got the in-laws over. You know, got all these other things going on. But Zacchaeus, he responds, and he responds immediately. He says, immediately came out of the tree. And then went back to his house. This is the invitation. Go back to that scripture real quick. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that's Jesus Knocking at the door of your heart. Some of you have heard that phrase before, but this is the invitation that he's coming to you personally. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, this is the invitation of the acceptance of the invitation. Jesus, come into my life. I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What in the world does that mean? When you eat with somebody, there's there's an intimacy It's one thing to high-five, handshake, or hug somebody, but it's a totally different thing to have them into your house and feed them, to have dinner, break bread together. There's a level of intimacy there. Many of you for Thanksgiving, in fact, many of you may have guests, guests in here this morning from Thanksgiving, you had intimate dinner, lunch together. There was exchange of conversation and stories. There was laughter, hopefully, (laughs) Hopefully it was a good time, you know, maybe your family was there and some of them that you like. There was no laughter there, I understand. You do not, some of you were like, I better not laugh at that one. But there's an intimacy and and when Jesus is inviting himself over for dinner, it's for relationship. It's for intimacy. There is something special about that. So when he says, I want to come in, I want to come over. There is a love there. Zacchaeus, he responds, comes out of the tree, and his response is what I hope we would all do. Hey, yeah, let's go. Honey, look who's coming for dinner, creator of the world. Hope you made something nice. But he reacts at once without excuse. But look at the reaction of the crowd. The crowd, the people around, they knew who Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus was hated not just because he was a tax collector. I mean, I don't think there's a day and age where tax collectors are ever loved, right? I mean, our own IRS, right? But Zacchaeus was on another level of hated because he was a Jew who was working for the oppressive Roman government taxing his own people so he was a traitor too and not only that but in that day the tax collector could come and and say your bill was ten dollars he could say hey uh it's twelve dollars and you couldn't do anything about it because he's the tax man you try to fight him he'll just get the romans to come in and tear your house down and take all your stuff so zacchaeus was a cheater too he was hated. And the people knew this. They knew who he was. That's why they couldn't understand why Jesus would ever go to his house. Didn't Jesus understand who?
who that guy was? Jesus, please. You can't go over to his house. But the third thing I learned from this story is I think the crowd had a wrong understanding of God's system. And I think if you want to move from selfishness to selflessness, you have to understand God's system. Scripture says that the last will become the first. If you just go back a few chapters in Luke chapter 13, it says that indeed those who are first will be last and the last will be first. It's, it's backwards in the kingdom of God. In Proverbs 3.35, it talks about how God will humble those who are mockers, who are proud, but he shows favor to those who are humble and those who are oppressed. He flips the system. And those who think they're rich are really poor. And those who are poor, for Jesus' sake, actually are rich. And in this moment, Zacchaeus there's a change. I, I like to look at it, when you read Scripture, it helps to read the, kind of the context. And if you happen to read the chapter before, in chapter 18, there's a story of a rich young ruler, not unlike Zacchaeus, uh, perhaps more liked, but the situation is similar. And this man seeks out Jesus as well. This young man comes to Jesus. And he, his purposes for coming to Jesus were a little, let's say, duplicitous. He had other reasons. Teacher, teacher, what must I do to in, inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, obey all the commandments and uh, love the Lord your God. Oh, I've done all of them. I haven't broken any commandments. I've done everything. What else do I need to do? Look how good I am. Jesus says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. <laughs> Back the train up. Jesus, don't you know who I am? How hard I've worked for this position and all the stuff that I have? I was hoping you maybe just pat me on the back and say, you're good to go. <laughs> and Jesus does it. And it says that rich young ruler walks away that day, sad, because he had much stuff. Now here's Zacchaeus. From the first couple of verses, we see that he too is wealthy. Again, he might not be well-liked, but he's got money. He could buy friends. And he seeks out Jesus. But there's something different about Zacchaeus. When he comes to Jesus, I think he's hoping that the stories are true, that he lifts up the poor, the oppressed, the downtrodden. Zacchaeus might have realized that his wealth wasn't getting him anywhere. It wasn't buying him happiness. And he didn't react like the man in Luke chapter 18. He must have recognized, or at least in the interaction, came to realize that even though he was rich, he was poor. And in this encounter, he begins to understand God's system. It looks a little bit different. In God's system, the lost become found. After all, it is why Jesus came, to seek and to save that which was lost. But those who thought themselves to be found, the crowd which probably included religious people, begin to mutter about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Look, he's going to be a guest at the house of a sinner. In my Bible, it's got quotes, so it's said with a bit of sarcasm and a funny voice, right? I mean, that's, I think that's how you interpret the Bible that way. 
But they begin to mutter and they labeled Zacchaeus a sinner. It's interesting that when we label other, people's, other people as sinners, we sort of forget who we are and what we are ourselves. If all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Romans, the book of Romans tells us, then I'm in the same boat as Zacchaeus. And I can't look at another human being and say, sinner, because I'm no longer looking at myself. And those people labeled him. And yes, he was a traitor and a cheat, and he was hated. But Jesus validates Zacchaeus and his intrinsic value. He says, salvation has come to this house, for he too is a child of Abraham. Not just, he's not just saying he's a Jew. He's saying he too is a child of Abraham. Something all the religious people and all the Jewish people right there in that moment would understand that Zacchaeus was part of the family, and Jesus was bringing him in in that moment. Zacchaeus was not like the rich man who walked away. He responded to Jesus. And I pray that we will respond as Zacchaeus responded to Jesus, not as the crowd. And that can be a challenge sometimes. But I notice the the last thing in this, this interaction, this journey that Zacchaeus goes through because at the beginning of our encounter we have Zacchaeus seeking to find out who Jesus is and at the end we have Jesus expressing his purpose to seek and to save the lost including Zacchaeus that Zacchaeus had purpose and value and what a beautiful picture in which the human heart seeking God becomes the very thing that God is seeking after And that Christ's love, his words, his actions begin to transform Zacchaeus in that moment. We aren't told from the moment he climbs down from the tree to the moment that he takes Jesus to his house and the crowd and all the things that they're saying. We aren't told how much time elapses. It could be mere moments. It It could be minutes, hours, days. We're not sure. We're just given these 10 verses in this chapter. But we do see that there is a transformation that happens in Zacchaeus. It's evidenced by not only his words, but his actions. He says in verse 8, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Jesus didn't even ask that we know of. Okay, go back to Luke 18 and that, that interaction with the rich young ruler where Jesus specifically asked that man. But here Zacchaeus offers, Lord, Lord, here and now, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. He already has a change of heart happening. Half of his possessions. Think about your stuff, right? Half of it. Which half are you going to give up? Married couples are like, uh, her stuff. (laughs) Which half do you give up? How do you begin to divide that out? I'm going to give half of my stuff to the poor. And then the second thing he says is this. He says, and if I have cheated anyone. Sometimes that phrase, if I have cheated anyone, it almost sounds like um, what I used to do with my parents if I got busted doing something wrong. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I forgot. I didn't, I didn't know. I know. Zacchaeus was actually making a confession. This was not... Uh, a loophole. This was a confession. I have cheated people. And I, I'm going to pay it back 
I'm not just going to pay it back. I'm going to pay it back four times over. Four times? Now, if I'm going to cheat somebody and I get busted, I'm giving back what I stole. I'm not giving back more. And if I give back more, I'm not giving back four times more. You think for a tax man, Zacchaeus could run the numbers in his head and figure this out. You've already given half of your stuff to the poor, and now you're going to give four times what you stole back? That's going to bankrupt you. You're going to have nothing. I think Zacchaeus did the math. I think he realized it would cost him everything. But isn't that the cost of following Jesus? And in this moment, he realizes his source is not his job. It's not his wealth. His satisfaction came in the relationship with Jesus. There is a transformation and salvation. And that's what Jesus speaks to. He says, today salvation has come to this house. I think there's a moment that not only is it a spiritual salvation, that Zacchaeus has this spiritual moment with Jesus But Jesus is speaking of himself. When he says salvation has come to this house, he physically means that salvation in him has walked into that house. And by demonstration of faith through action, Zacchaeus has given proof of the inner change through outward outward, uh, brain fart. Through outward action. There we go. Yes, you're welcome. Inward change evidenced by outward action. I should look at my notes more often. Acknowledging Jesus as Lord was one thing, but he evidenced it by living it out, by taking a step of faith. Zacchaeus sought Jesus, and in this moment he finds eternal life. There's, there's a question about what being saved means. When Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, that word save sometimes I know gets thrown around in the church circles as, as, a, as a form of identification. Hey, are you saved? I'm saved. We're all saved. Yeah, hey, let me pull out my saved card. Look, I'm saved. I got a card. I prayed the prayer once. But Jesus wasn't talking about that. He was talking about a, a, a transformation from, from death to life. I think we do well to understand this scripture and this meaning of being saved maybe in a picture. This helps me understand what salvation is. This is a, a, a rescue swimmer from the uh, United States Coast Guard. And he jumps out of a perfectly good helicopter to life-threatening, dangerous seas to rescue somebody. Somebody who cannot save themselves has no power to lift themselves out of their perilous situation. But that rescue jumper jumps in and takes them to safety. And so it is with Jesus. He left a perfectly good heaven to come down to this mess we call earth to save us in the peril that we find ourselves in, not only from dangers from without, but from dangers from within ourselves. We're stuck in selfishness, and Jesus lifts us out of that to selflessness by his own selfish selfless actions and that's the journey that Zacchaeus found himself on in that moment the lost became the found when he confessed 
if I've cheated anybody, there was also the moment of repentance where he turns around and goes the opposite direction. Confession is agreeing with God what he already knows about you. You can't hide it from him. But you admit and agree with him. And repentance, really, the actual word means a changing of heart and mind. There is a changing of heart and mind in Zacchaeus where he goes from being greedy and cheating to being generous. Let me ask you, where does that happen? How can that happen except by the power of Jesus? Confession and repentance aren't just about feeling bad or remorseful, but it is a transformation of heart and mind evidenced through action. I love the movie Despicable Me. I like Gru because in the end, I love the story of transformation that happens to that character Gru. Someone who is a villain, evil, self-seeking, is transformed through love, through the relationship that he has with these, these kids. Watch the movie. I kind of spoiled it. I'm sorry. But isn't that what Scripture is all about? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life is not this thing that we say, oh, I just want to get to heaven when I'm dead. That's what the rich young ruler wanted. He just wanted a destination that he could, you know, feel good about. I always tell people heaven is really insignificant. It's Jesus that makes heaven significant. Heaven isn't important. Jesus is. And those who want to be with Jesus will be with him wherever he's at. We call it heaven. That day, Zacchaeus said, I want to be with you, Jesus, wherever you're at. Joel, would you come as we close? In this final moment, perhaps you're looking at your life. Perhaps you're somebody who considers himself a found person. You're saved. You got the card. Then let me ask you, who are you bringing in? Who are you finding? How are you partnering with Jesus to bring those who are lost to be ones who are found? But perhaps you find yourself away from God today stuck in circumstances and situations. Perhaps this morning you'll take a step of confession and repentance that leads to life, transformation, and salvation. This is your day. Probably no greater weekend than a Thanksgiving day to be thankful for what Jesus did for you and for me, dying on the cross for our sins rescuing us from a a hopeless, helpless situation by his death and his resurrection, giving us new life. That's the opportunity you have today. Would you stand with me as we close? I want to give you that moment to invite Jesus in. He's invited himself into your life and now This is your opportunity to respond. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, church, in this holy moment, this is a personal moment for you to make that decision for Christ. Perhaps you're a guest. Perhaps you've been attending here for a few weeks, but you need to make that decision. And it starts this moment. You've encountered Jesus. You can't deny it. In a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you want to make that decision with me, 
simply raise your hand. I won't point you out or embarrass you, but I'll pray with you. And we'll say a prayer together. And this is the start of your journey. It's the moment you get to come out of the tree and begin to walk with Jesus in your life. If that's you this morning and you want to say, Pastor Jeremy, count me in. I want to pray that prayer with you. Would you simply raise your hand? I'll pray with you. Anybody else? Then church, as a confession of faith and a reaffirmation of your own journey, would you pray with those who raised their hands today and let's mean it in our hearts as well. Would you repeat after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son Jesus that His death on a cross forgives me of my sins and His resurrection gives me new life. And I ask you to forgive, you, forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, this morning, if you are feeling far from God, maybe you prayed that prayer years ago. Jesus wants you to know he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't lost you. You're not off of his conscious mind. But this morning, he hears you. He sees you. Walk in that this morning. I hope you have a great week, even though you have to go back to work. It's going to be a great week because Mizzou plays at the end of the week, and we're believing for a win. Amen. That's not a prophecy. I'm just saying. Can't hold me to it. Love you guys. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. Have a great week. Hey, we are so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information about a deeper relationship with Christ, we would love to hear from you. Simply email nextsteps at c2church.com. 